0: Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Dedicated to the evolution of you, because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be. Helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. The last series was excerpted from my course, Embodied Values and Virtues, and we're following suit. This episode begins a three-part series taken from the hour that followed the last series. We talk more about courage, and debriefing the assignments that people did, and move on to the next virtue on the list, compassion. We talk specifically about the importance of not repressing fear, which is the most common misunderstanding of courage. Related to this, at the end, I feel the question about how to productively steer yourself into fear in the name of healing. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. As I mentioned, this series, again, is from the course entitled Embodied Values and Virtues, which you can find at courses.clearandopen.com. Thanks for listening. For those of you not sending me your assignments or not doing them, I only ask one question. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? Not you should, not what's wrong with you, just why wouldn't you? something to investigate with curiosity. Any questions, digestions since last time? I have one. Please.
1: Um, I think fear and courage are just so discussed and they're given such weight like a Hollywood movie. You know, like (laughs) courage is like facing a, a lion or jumping off a cliff or skydiving. And when I looked at my fear It was really simple it was it was much more like hanging on to a crutch that i've been hanging on to for years that seems kind of mild and innocuous and i didn't like it was so mild i didn't recognize it as a fear it was like oh this is part of a fear of moving forward this is a safety it's a crutch it's a this thing that i'm afraid of letting go of and for me i I just think it's so easy to be conditioned about societal fear and how big and weighty and you know skydiving plane crashes lions where for me it was none of those fearful things it was this little barely noticeable yeah thing yeah so that's what i took out of it
0: that's a great observation ed thank you yeah it's it's actually for most people facing like acute danger is relatively easy um because you don't have much of a choice. Of course, you always have a choice. But uh, to do like the urgent emergency thing, uh, it's not only easier, but you can actually get quite a rush off of it. That's why people do things like climb mountains and fly gyros. (laughs) That was for Brett. Um, You know, things that are like acutely dangerous are kind of exciting. And Uh, you know, you're not going to hesitate when, you know, your child is about to be swept away in a stream. Like it, it doesn't actually require courage because the choice is so heavily weighted. But when you do have a choice, when you have the option of not doing the courageous thing, and you can get away with it really easily, what happens then? I remember really vividly when I was, uh, where one of the times I learned this lesson, um, I was studying Aikido in uh, San Francisco. I was living in, in the Bay Area at the time, so I, was dry, I would drive all the way from uh, Berkeley to, into the Civic Center area of San Francisco to do Aikido. And that area is not the safest place in the world, especially after like 9.30. So it was fine, you know, from like 6.30 to 9 or whatever, and then class would get out. And I went to my car parked on, a you know, not the safest city street in the, in the world. Uh, and, um, and my car wouldn't start. And, like, I got to get home. And so I don't know anybody. I don't think I even had a cell phone at that point. That would have been 97. 97. I didn't even have a cell phone. I didn't have any quarters for a payphone. I was f- afraid. And so I went back to the dojo. Unfortunately, there were a couple of people still there hanging out. I said, my car won't start. and like, I don't know what to do. And, um, and one of them noticed how afraid I was, he was a senior student. And he said, I'll never forget. He said, the true test of character is not when, uh, is when you're inconvenienced very often, not when some heroic action is necessary So notice what's going on right now. It's an unknown. You don't know what's going to happen and you're severely inconvenienced. Your life's not threatened, but it seems, you know, out of control, out of order, what will you do then? Uh, the end of the story is pretty funny. A homeless guy uh, tightened the battery terminals on my car but that was the problem with a leather man. Solved the problem, I gave him 20 bucks. <laughs> I would not have predicted that was the outcome, sent me on my way, because I had recently done something and disconnected the battery uh, to do the work and not reconnected it well enough. So yeah, when you're in convenience store, when You have the option of choosing an inconvenience, you know, will you do the courageous thing versus the expedient thing, the easy thing. Um, Those little moments like, you know, sharing with the person how you really feel uh, and risking losing the relationship or risking uh, causing some bumps in the road. And in intimate relationships, this is a, a really important place because part of what creates the thrill in the initial romance is that you're telling each other everything and it's buoyed by the excitement and newness and the connection and all of that is real. So you feel you can tell each other everything and it just keeps seeming to get better and better and better. But then what happens is our defense system goes, okay, we got something really good here. Let's not screw it up by sharing something that might offend them or hurt them or cause us to be rejected and then we start holding things back and holding things back and holding things back in the name of uh, with the true intention a good intention of maintaining the relationship but what happens is it starts to die because intimacy gets created by letting people in into me you see it's sometimes said By letting people into you, the governing dynamic of intimacy is in part revealing. You reveal things about you. You let them into you. That's what makes you feel close. So um, because of that, sharing things about yourself brings you closer together. Hiding things about yourself drives you further apart. So the governing dynamic of intimacy then is courage to say something, even just once a week, but ideally once a day, something that you're afraid to tell your partner. There's a a kind of coaching exercise, uh, intimacy exercise, whatever you want to call it, where you get a group of people like this group here, we could do that. I've done that occasionally and have everybody complete the sentence. I'm afraid to let everyone know that. I'm afraid to let everyone know that. I think I want to
1: dovetail, if, if I can, a minute on Ed's comment about uh,
2: the, the small things that, that come into play of courage. And uh, I completely agree with that. And I think part of it is that when we're under the stress of an emergency moment, call it, uh, you know, when we're in the lion's den, that there's no time to think about anything right? It, it, you react, mm-hmm. right? It, it's, it's flight, fight, whatever is going to but it's instant. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in, in our regular daily lives, hopefully we're not in those situations very often, if at all, um, and, and training for them certainly helps. But in our, in our regular daily lives, uh, th- this is when our brain comes in all the time with all the things that can happen, and fear. where it might lead. Right. Fear. Mm-hmm. And the smarter we are, the more we process in that regard, the more there is. Yeah. So I, I mean, everybody on this call is pretty bright. And I, I imagine we're all doing that stuff. I know I am. Yeah. Uh, regularly. So it, it's one of the things I know on the courage side,
0: can we quiet the fear? No. All the fears. Let me interrupt right. You. No. Right. Do not attempt to quiet the fear.
2: It, it, it's the courage Then is really uh, immersing yourself in it and going forward no matter what. Yes.
0: Remember. And, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And,
2: and, and that's the key from what I heard last week to being courageous. It's mm-hmm. being able to move forward regardless.
0: Yes. With the fear, you bring it with you. And what does it tell you that even though you listened to last week i'm pretty sure you were here what does it tell you that what the words just came out of your mouth something about quieting the fear
1: um it did come out of my mouth um and i was here last week Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: is it a defense mechanism a protection to try to push it away
0: some part of you even though you, I know you know better and you know you know better, there's some part of you that's still trying to make the fear go away, yeah. which will never happen. And that's what very often we have to learn the hard way by trying to make it go away and trying and trying and trying and then finally surrendering to, okay, I have to bring this with me. There is no human being on the planet who has ever been, and I would posit whoever will be, who is free from fear. And yet we have this notion of fearlessness, like it's something we're supposed to attain. It's a, it's an, it's an understandable, like I think I said this last time, but bears reviewing, it's an understandable orientation that comes from a, well, a fear of fear in essence. It's that the fear, because when we're children, fear is unmanageable. So we seek to make it go away rather than learning how to be with it, which is what adults do. Children run from fear. Adults learn from it. And if we all had perfect parents, we would automatically become adults. But when we, to the degree we don't have perfect parents, we remain children to that degree. And we have to learn as adults how to relate with fear in a healthy way. And what I'm saying is trying to make it go away, trying to reduce the experience of it, all of that is emotional repression. And what happens is, and it's related to the uh, emotional intimacy thing I was just talking about, if you try to make your fear go away, you try to repress that emotion, you will repress all of the emotions because it's one valve, you could say, that all the emotions come through. So if you try to stop fear, you stop joy, you stop happiness, you stop aliveness, you can't pick and choose which feelings you're gonna feel and which you're not. They all come from the same place, the emotional body. So that's the problem. It's uh, I I don't know it well enough. Um, uh, there's a line from. I hate when I can only partially quote something. If you cannot laugh, all of your laughter and cry all of your tears, something like that. It's from Gospel of Saint Thomas, or or it's uh. Khalil Gibran and uh, the prophet, I can't remember. They both say something similar. But the idea is feel everything, feel everything, feel everything. But the fear we have in our defense system is it says, well, if I let myself feel that, complete the sentence. I'll never feel anything else. I'll fall into this pit of despair. I'll be frozen with fear. I'll never get out of it. Have you ever had a feeling that never ended? Have you ever had a state of consciousness that persisted for like a decade or even a day? Have you ever had that? The answer is no. If it has a beginning, it has an end. So you have to not believe what the ego defenses tell you, which is, Oh, you can't feel this. You'll be trapped in it forever. Nothing is forever, especially a feeling. They're some of the most ephemeral things in the world. So what really is the fear? What is this really about that's getting intimate with it you see hey joseph oh i'm sorry go ahead monica
1: okay do you have any tips on like how to immerse yourself in that fear because i find myself when i'm in a like feeling fear rather than like sitting with it i'll look to the future and be like okay this is over in an hour and in an hour i'm gonna feel really good because i get that like dopamine hit when i you know accomplish something or conquer that fear so I'm just not sure how to immerse myself and I feel like look like future looking is, is another way to kind of repress that feeling and not immerse myself in it.
0: Well, here's a quote I do have memorized. That's from, I believe, uh, I know it's, uh, Yeshua, the Nazarene, also known as Jesus, be still and know. just be still. So be still with whatever the feeling is, stop moving your body. And to some degree, stop moving your mind. And that's tricky because you can't control your thoughts, but you can kind of just settle. And whatever behaviors you know in yourself that you use to not feel something, stop them. That's called a demedication. So if you're aware that you're using something, and it can be anything, to medicate down a difficult emotion, let it go whether that's planning i mean it could be literally anything looking at goldfish exercise sex television certainly substance abuse any kind of substance anything that changes your state caffeine petting your cats could be anything just look an in inventory in your life what do i use to not feel what do i use to not feel something because it's Like I said, our defense systems are organized around the governing dynamic of they're always looking for, they're always looking to collect methodologies to not feel something. So if you want to be curious, you, the authentic you, needs to collect methodologies to make yourself feel stuff. Do the opposite. You've got to show your defenses that you want to experience your feelings more than it wants to not feel them. And given that most of how your defenses don't want to feel what you're feeling is unconscious, well, you've got your work cut out for you because it's only going to show you some. You've got to really be curious to be able to see uh, how it's operating. That's something, any of you, you could always come to office hours and say, Joseph, what do I, help me find out what I use to not feel my most deepest wounds. Oh, that'd be a fun conversation. Nobody's ever asked me that. Does that help Monica?
1: Yeah. It's that's just hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's really hard. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. It's the hardest thing in the world, but it's also the most rewarding. Unfortunately, they tend to go together. Thanks for listening to manage to engage the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.